years. Some of you that have been around, uh, I, I don't uh, put any qualms about it. I, I enjoy competition. I enjoy uh, the things that go along with that. And, but there is something about sports that I was thinking about that I don't, I'm not particularly um, uh, in love with. And it has to do really with me more than the sports themselves. And that is, um, I don't really like to uh, uh, watch a, a game uh, and listen to the announcers, you know? I'm not a big fan of listening to certain announcers, you know? I don't know if it's always just completely biased. To be honest with you, one of the things that I have to do uh, when I listen to a, a Yankee game, is I try to find a broadcast on the radio where I'm listening to the opposing team's announcers. Because I get so sick and tired of my Homer announcers uh, not telling me anything other than who's paying their paycheck or who's uh, buttering the bread, you know? So it's not just because I don't want to hear criticism, but I do have to admit, one of the worst things in the world is to watch a game and know that you're maybe the underdog, know that maybe the best guy on the court, for instance, is on the other team. I grew up being a Knicks fan, and uh, I had to play the Chicago Bulls during you know the prime of my Knicks fandom. You know when I was in high school, uh, when they had a guy named Patrick Ewing. And uh, he was my, you know, I thought he was the, the baddest and the best. And uh, the game was changing. And all of a sudden, you know, having one of the best centers, it wasn't good enough anymore because this guy named Michael Jordan was around. And he was a wing player that could dominate a basketball game. And I remember I would sit there and I would get so upset, you know, as I would listen to the broadcast and I would watch him get fouled over and over and over again. And dominated, it was hard to listen to. And I say that tonight because I'm going to preach a message about the announcers of God's presence. The announcers of God's presence. I want to consider that. I want to consider the current state of God's presence this day. You know, I want to think about this because as I read this scripture, we're going to get a guy who is going to announce God's presence the way it should be announced. But the truth is that not only does it all not always get announced as it should through the word of God, but worse than that, What can happen to the listener, to the believer, is that one and the same time, it can be the most wonderful privilege and blessing to have God's presence announced to God's people. It can also bring something that is fearful and terrible. It can even bring a sense of terror. To one person, the presence of God is a great ground of hope. 
And to another, it can be unsettling, disturbing, even fearful or terrible, or worse yet, something to be mocked. So let's look at our text. And let's look at this great blessing. And let's define a position tonight, an attitude, in which we will approach and seek to enter into the presence of God. Psalms 100, verse 1 through 5. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. You know, there's a prominent picture in the word of God, and it's the presence of God. And the anger and joy of people is often a very good barometer of the presence of God in their lives. See, in the beginning, the book of Genesis, in the garden, man sins and he hides from God's presence. Know the story of Cain. Cain, he went out from the presence of God. And that suggests something to us. It suggests that God locates places and then calls on us to respond. Or, a better way of putting on it, God goes to places for a reason, and that reason is either good or bad. Of course, I mentioned two bad reasons, but there are also reasons that are good. Jacob had a revelation because of the presence of God. He's fleeing from Isaac. He dreams that heaven opens and angels are ascending and descending. This is Jacob's famous ladder. And he has a revelation. Listen to this. Genesis 28. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. How ironic for a liar. Right? I wonder if that word stung for a second. He thought, ooh, what's he going to say? You know, he could have said, the land in which you lie is going to be where you die. You know? 
will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It was evident, the manifest presence of God among Israel. Think about this for a moment. Because when we look at anger and joy inside of us, we might want to look at the presence of God. Is the presence of God making us angry? I have to admit, I've been in situations where I've watched people hear the truth of God's word. They don't react like Jacob. Because God's not telling them what they want to hear. They're more of in a Cain situation. But you know, the truth is that the interesting thing to me is that Jacob is an interesting study here about anger and joy because Jacob. You know, he was a manipulative guy. And what was going to happen was Jacob was going to be lying and cheating and being deceptive. And he was going to put that, you know, hairy sheepskin or whatever he put on his shoulders, right? You know? And he was going to put it on his arm so that his dad would think that he was his brother, right? And the presence of God was going to be there. God was going to lay out an anointing on this boy. Right? But his unrighteousness, his unrighteousness causes him to flee, to run away. Right? And again, we see this in his situation with Laban. And his situation when he meets his brother again, Esau, again, God's presence is going to be there. But Jacob's reaction isn't overwhelming joy, is it? See, some of us, we have this mistake in our idea that, you know, we're not getting any instruction from this scripture. But verse 1, the hundredth. Psalm says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Why is he saying that? Can I suggest to you that maybe all the lands weren't shouting for joy? Can I suggest to you that he was looking at the barometric, barometric pressure and he was like, there's a storm coming if these guys don't change their ways? Can I tell you that, you know, if you don't change your ways sometimes, the storm's going to come. You know, a lot of people, they don't understand barometric pressure, especially, you know, they don't really think too much about it. It's not something you can see. 
sometimes you feel it. You know? I always want to be one of those guys that feel it. It's been storming an hour or two.
What is it? God said he would send an angel. But you know what he said also? I won't be in the midst of this congregation. That's a bad service. You know, imagine you're the pastor, you're preaching, you're praying. God said, I will not be in this congregation. That's a rough day at the office. He plagued the people because of the captain. about his business. 
mistakes? Because he had learned something about God. Can you learn that tonight? Can you begin to do that for others? Because the promise kept is where the blessing lies. See, Moses was keeping his promise. He knew what he was doing. He was like, I'm keeping my promise, God. I'm a promise keeper. Because you're a promise keeper. And you told me you were. And I know who you are. And I know what you've done for me. And so I'm coming here. I'm going to sing. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to have joy in my heart. Even as my shoes fall apart. And he understood this. He knew it would separate him. But he also knew the danger of neglect and abuse. He knew the danger of misconception and the misunderstanding of the presence of God. You know, that it's all about senses or feelings. I don't feel God anymore. They're, they're, he's not here. I used to feel his presence. He'd already done stupid things because of that. You know, we all do stupid things, but none of us, I don't think, are going to take the written words of God and throw them on the ground. I mean, if you want to feel a little bit better about yourself tonight, just know that that's not something you've got to talk to God about later. I, I just, I, I, I think of God in such, a, in, in such an amazing way because God is a person. And I'm going to stand before him one day. I'm going to sit before him and I'm going to take all my rewards. I'm going to throw them on the ground. My crown. I'm going to throw them at his feet. And when I do, when I do, I'm going to look up at the fathers of the faith. I'm going to look up at the pillars. And God's presence, his joy is going to overtake me. And there's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more suffering. And I'm going to sit there. And who knows, maybe God will be gracious enough to, you know, have me somewhere near Moses, you know, as they're chopping it up, you know. You know, maybe I'll just, I'll hear them from the balcony, you know, as they walk in, you know, to the great feast. And I'll hear them, you know, talking about their Lord and Savior and what they did for Jesus. And what he did for them. You know, Jeremiah is a good book to read. It's hard to get through. I don't recommend just reading that. You know, put a couple of happy ones in there, a song or something with it. You know, maybe don't read it at night. I'm reading it in the morning. It'll be better for you. But you know, there's a lot to learn from Jeremiah because he's a prophet and he cries out to a nation, to a people. He's like the announcer I'm talking about. And he knows that I'm a Ewing fan and he's going to talk about Michael Jordan. You know, and he knows I'm going to sit there and just be like, really? 
them. It's how the people feel. They think everything is okay. All is well to the people. That's the problem. See, what I'm talking about tonight is that you have to have an attitude that shows that you haven't lost sense of God's presence. The fear of God is God's presence. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. I had the great privilege of going out to eat with a couple of pastors during the conference, and it was amazing because I got there early, and I had been talking to my wife about a guy who I was pretty convinced wasn't very fond of me. The only thing I had, you know, going for me was that I knew he had forgotten about me because he's important and I'm not. You know? And I, when I say not very fond of me, what I mean is I just, I just had a feeling that I irritated him. You know, that I did something that was irritable to him. But I had a great privilege because I sat down and I was going to have dinner with one of his favorite pastors that I knew he liked a lot. And so I finally had the courage to sort of look over at him and, and strike up a conversation and sort of say hello. You know, he didn't remember me and he, he forgot about everything. You know, he didn't know me from a hole in the wall. And so we had a nice little conversation and he began to, 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 to speak to me and, and you know, I, 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 I appreciate him because I know he's been serving God for a long, long time. And then finally, I got the great privilege of saying to him, you know what? Um, you really rebuked me one time, and it really helped me out. And he went, oh, you know. And I began to explain to him, you know, what it was, you know. Now, I don't know if he, maybe he did totally forget, but I thought to myself, you know, I'm so glad that I can tell him that I learned something. Not only that, I'm so glad that he didn't go home and that memory, you know, the devil used it to pop into his head and wonder to himself, did that guy learn anything? You know? Because I care about God's presence. I bring this back to God because, you know, I wasn't doing it for the guy. I might never see him again. I was doing it because of God. Because I care about God. Because this guy was trying to teach me something about God. I don't care how well he did it. I don't care how kind he was about it. Just that he was doing something truthful about the things of God. And I was able to take something from that. See, that's esteeming the presence of God. And that will change you. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they push off the law of God. Like, it's no big deal. Oh, Levitical law, whatever. You know, if you haven't read Leviticus, then you, you, know, you don't get it. I can just tell you that right now. If you haven't read the book of Leviticus, then you don't fully get the word of God. Because those laws are there to protect us from slavery and bondage. That's what those laws are for. That whole book is boring. But it also has the laws that protect us from slavery and bondage. And if you don't follow those laws, you will be enslaved by your sin. And the truth is that we can find our place in a place where we're like the church in Ephesus. 
and we have a book in the Bible. But at the end of the Bible, he has to warn, he has to warn the pastor. He has to say, by the way, if they don't give back their first love, take away their lampstand. Make it dark for them. Don't think that's a coincidence. That's because God cares. He knows about the tragic stories. He doesn't want us to be Samson, blind, pushing over a pillar. Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You know, all of the things in God's word, they should comfort us. They should be there for us. Don't get locked into a mindset where you measure God's presence by pleasantness and favorableness and your circumstances. You need to remember and rest in the Lord and the great ground of confidence and assurance and hope and boldness that you have is that you can face adversity. You can do the will of God. You can. Hebrews 13, let your conduct be without covetedness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can do it tonight. You can boldly say to the Lord, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our present help. And it doesn't refer to the present as in present now, as in the presence. It refers to the presence of God always being a help in your life if you will call upon it. Therefore, we will not fear. The earth may be moved, it may be removed. The mountains may carry into the sea, the Bible says. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. <clears throat> and then he just pauses with the word Selah. Because he knows the presence of God. He knows that if he got caught up in a great earthquake, he'd be before his maker one day. And he can rest assured in that silently. Take heart tonight. Be confident tonight. Have all assurance tonight. Because you may not sense God. But you can have faith in God. The message tonight I wanted to preach was one to encourage you, but also to invoke that fear. That sense of fear and reverence. William Booth said, Cultivate the presence of God. Work on the presence of God. Establish it. Let God move. Don't slide back. Come close to Jesus as you used to be. You know, there was a time in your life, maybe tonight, where you were more consecrated to the Lord than you are now. There may have been a period in your life 
when you felt the presence of God more than you feel it now. There might have been a moment in your life when your love for Jesus Christ was more real than it is this minute tonight. And if so, truth is, you're like all of us, we need that refreshing. We need to cry out. We need revival. But revival is in the heart. It's in the soul of a man who says, I will settle for nothing less. Guys, one of the most amazing things that you can experience is when God's presence comes in a time of need. And as we read this verse once again, we see this. Know that the Lord, he is God. Is he who made us, not ourselves, we are his people, we're sheep. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts and into the courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is forever, and his truth endures to all generations. You know, God, God's truth, those things that he's revealed to you, they will be known to everyone. Every knee shall bow, just like we sang tonight. All you have to do is come into his presence with a joyful shout and a glad heart. That's all I have. We close the service.